0: Hello, it's me, Marty Piercy. It's me, Amari. Marty. Um, the date today is, I don't know, November 3rd or something like that, doesn't really matter. Um, I spent about an hour and a half with, uh, with our favorite co-ghost, Lindley Faye Smith, earlier today. Uh, on the phone, recording a conversation about some relevant stuff. Uh, and it was long, uh, longer than, uh, twice as long as our, our podcasts usually are. It was an hour and a half long. Uh, it was important stuff. But that file has mysteriously run amok. I, like, it will not transfer it's. I don't. It's not important. The details. Just know that uh, Lindley, in particular, has been messing with it all day, and is just really at her wits' end. We sent. You know. We talked to. Uh, well, she talked to our friend Stephen, who's pretty expert at this stuff. He was baffled by the problem, so we're just going to call that hour and a half long episode. Uh, the lost episode, until we managed to get that file available to listen to. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, I decided that I should probably just go ahead and record a, a shorter one, shorter version of that, and just cover some of the stuff we tried to talk about today. I don't know why it's going wrong, and it's a little frustrating, but I'm going to let it go. Lindley knows why it's going wrong, according to her, of course. It's a ghost. It's a ghost that has made that file uh, so persnickety and unwilling to to participate, to play its part. So, whatever. Um, I didn't want to take up more of her time today, so... Just going to do this one solo from the comforts of home. I just had to stop and delete an attempt at this because my dog, Charlie Brown, a.k.a. Big Baby, a.k.a. Glenn Davis, got one of his toys out that makes a squeaking noise, and he went to town on it. <laughs> really, really interrupted that recording, so we'll, we'll see what happens. These, these two boys are here with me, and Joe Beth is out of town. Uh, so, what I wanted to talk about today, what Lindley and I talked about at length earlier, it's not really about Oklahoma City. Uh, well, it's, it's not about it apart from... I'm not going to belabor that point. It's not really about Oklahoma City, but it's something that's relevant culturally and that I think most of us have heard some news about, but it might be on the back burner for people. I understand that. It's, uh, if it's not proximate to you or just really intense, then you might have missed it uh, because there are so many intense things going on around the world, especially uh, the ongoing conflict in Gaza, I don't want to call it a conflict. I think you know how I feel about it. But closer to home, there've been a couple of news stories uh in the past week that are about places that I very much consider home. And I wanted to talk about those and offer some just a little bit of insight about one and then I think some significant insight about another. First of all, let's just, I want to talk about Weewoka, Oklahoma and what's been happening there. If you've seen in the news, there's been a spate of violence um, that the quote-unquote authorities in the area are uh, attributing to gang violence. And that may be accurate. Uh, Weewoka is no stranger to organized crime in its history. I mean, that's been a it's been part and parcel of the town for a long time and 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 there's a reason for that and that reason is redlining and segregation and systemically reinforced generational poverty um i think that's that's at the root of most of our problems that we consider criminal uh crimes don't really happen in a vacuum like it's it's super rare for a stranger uh to hurt you and it's exceedingly common for people who are desperately under-resourced to turn to activities of survival that are outside of uh what you might consider normal social contract and that's that's okay you can feel how you want to about that but i think all studies indicate that addressing poverty is the most important thing you can do to reduce crime. We don't have opportunities for people. And I'm going to say WeWoka, a part of WeWoka, when my parents were young. Um, let like I said, my, my parents are from WeWoka, they met in high school there. My grandparents lived there until they were too old to really look after themselves. And that's both my paternal grandparents and my maternal uh, grandma. We call her grandma. Um, uh, All of them have passed now. Uh, Enjoying that great cloud of witnesses. We got to celebrate All Saints Day this week. Totally off topic. WeWOCA is very much home to me in the sense that half of my time growing up, that's where I lived, uh, I would be at my grandparents' about half of the time. Um, And I still have friends there, I still have family there that I'm not as close to, but I do have family there. I don't go there very often matter of fact, the last time I was there was, it was maybe three years ago my grandma passed away and uh and was buried there uh it was in the height of covid so we couldn't have a a proper funeral so we had a graveside service there and we woke up that's that's kind of my uh that's why it's home to me so I spend a lot of time there growing up and it's it's important to me. Uh, Waukee historically uh, has um, has had a pretty high percentage uh, of uh, of the town has been black, and and that's not. I'm saying it's higher than common for towns that aren't specifically black towns. Like uh, so, t- really large percentage of the population uh, compared to other municipalities of the same size are black um, and and also Indian, uh, like there's a pretty significant Native American population, part of which owes to Seminole Nation headquarters uh, in Oklahoma are in Wewoka, um, right at the edge of town there. So, um, and as you know, I mean, if you know anything about American history at all, then you understand that these are two groups of people who have, you know, have been systematically left out of uh financial opportunity and uh have been kept poor um, i think that's just i think that's just kind of a factual statement. you may disagree with that, and you're entitled to your opinion uh obviously I feel like I'm entitled to mine so there has been a spate of violence that is it has really upset, understandably so, it's really upset the community there. Uh, A lot of events have been canceled recently, which, you know, again, I'm not there. I don't know all the details. I don't know every supposed crime that's been committed. I don't know any of the people alleged to have committed any of these, these crimes. I know that yesterday... Six people were arrested, um, and in the course of those arrests, four guns were recovered. That's not a not an exceptionally high number of guns among six different people in Oklahoma, but when it's six young people who are black or Native, uh, then that is significant for uh, for the police to get to brag about what they've done. Um, Here's the thing is like the police force, the 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 city government, the city police, because there are three agencies, three police agencies involved in this. And that is, of course, the local PD in Wewoka. That's also Seminole County Sheriff, uh, because those headquarters are in Wewoka as well. And um, and the Seminole Light Horse Police. Um those three agencies have been handling these investigations. And they're not doing a good job. They might be doing a good job investigating. I don't know. None of us do because they ain't saying shit. And that's pretty frustrating. I think it was Aaron Christie. Uh, yeah, watch. It was Wendy Suarez. I, they're, they're both excellent Uh, This is something that Lindley wanted me to make sure I reiterate from our earlier recording is that we were really celebrating how great we think Aaron Christie and Wendy Suarez and a few other reporters around here. We talked about Max Bryant. He's a, a friend that we both have and that I just, I really think he's one of the, one of the finest reporters in Oklahoma and he's got so much ahead of him. It's exciting to watch. Like we have great reporters. It's not their fault. The fact is... That I think it was the police department we woke a legit locked their door to keep a reporter from coming in and asking any questions uh when they went to the Light Horse police headquarters. there was one car there, and it promptly hurried away uh, so there was nobody nobody there to talk to and this is how they've been cagey uh which is typical for police uh for some reason they get to act behind a veil of secrecy that the rest of public servants don't. Uh, I say for some reason those reasons are obvious. A, they're the ones with the guns and the military equipment. They are the violent arm of the state, so it's sometimes challenging and even dangerous to question them. Um, so we've seen like a lot of obfuscation of what is happening. We know, of course, the football game, we're going to cancel the football game. That's going to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about not having whatever event that's outdoors or, you know, their, their annual festival, um, like civic, like festival is Sorghum days. Um, Sorghum is what I (laughs) grew up calling it. Sorghum. Uh, but they, yeah, they canceled that this year. Um, and that's sad. That was, that's a, it's a really major thing for the community that like, lots of people come out have a parade, I mean for a town that small, that's a big event and it's one of my favorite memories from growing up, my uncle Clifton used to be the mule skinner on the sorghum mill on sorghum day when they were making the uh, the, the basically making something that's like molasses that's like, you can get jars of it it's smoky, it's like smoky molasses uh, yeah, like it's just that's a significant. My grandparents lived like a block and a half away from there. Uh, I, I loved going to that. and That got canceled this year because uh, they're afraid of violence. I think there've been they're saying there are a couple of arsons that were t- retaliatory arsons, house fires. I, you know, information is coming out at a trickle, and it's very protected uh, by the police and and the DA. There, that DA uh, is uh, their district is three counties. That Seminole County, uh, where again Wewoka is the county seat, and then just a few miles from Wewoka is Holdenville, the, the town where I was born. Actually, um, Holdenville is the county seat of Hughes County. Uh, And then Pontotoc County is also in that DA's purview. And Pontotoc County is where Ada is the county seat. Um, So that that cluster, that tri-county cluster right there, that's that's where I'm talking about. And there's just so much poverty, mostly rural poverty. Like most poverty in America, there's just a lot of rural poverty in addition to these towns being incredibly poor. There's not a lot of industry... Uh, In fact, I I think, uh, industrially, a saving grace, and this is fucked up and I hate it, but a saving grace for employment in that community is that in the relatively recent history, uh, a prison was built at Holdenville, and that's become a huge employer. Um, I'd say the nation's pretty significant employer, like anywhere. Um, there was one shooting that was very public. It was at the Dollar? Uh, I was say it was at the Dollar General. It Might have been at the Family Dollar. You know, that's a good question because I was going to say it's a, it's really close to the Seminole Nation headquarters, but I don't know. Might not be. Might have been the Family Dollar. It doesn't matter. It was a public public a public thing. Everybody saw it, and that's really what kind of made the crackdown happen. They made six arrests. And and they're just not telling us much information. So there's not a lot for me to say about it, except that it's really tragic uh, to watch this stuff unfold in a community that I love, that I care about. But where well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a participant in the community. I don't live near there. I don't have uh, like I'm, I'm not. I mean, I have family down there, but I don't. I I, I don't go see them. Uh, we're not close, uh, I, you know. So it's just difficult to watch that, and and I think it's worth paying attention to because this is it. Like I said, crime doesn't happen in a vacuum, and and we woke. I think really can uh, shed some some light uh, on how our community has been redlined and how systemic poverty has been implemented and reinforced and upheld. Uh, down through the the last century and and a half, uh, and you know, watching which communities get policed and which ones don't, uh, I, I just think it's pretty it's pretty notable. And so on that, I, and so I, well, I just I want to ask you to pay attention. I, I'm going to be paying attention. I'll talk more about this in the future, I'm sure. But I just want to. I just want to bring that to your attention. I think it's important uh, to see. And honestly, it just its I'm preoccupied with it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. Because it's on my mind a lot. Uh, it makes me really sad. Like I just got a little choked up just thinking about it. So let me talk about something else that makes me very sad. Uh, again, uh, in a place that I think of as home, uh, almost certainly you saw the news about a new, very cruel-sounding ordinance being passed in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Uh, Shawnee is where I was when I was a teenager, very young adult. I I attended college at at Oklahoma Baptist University for a little while. Uh, uh, I moved away, went to DePaul, etc. I came back, I came back to Shawnee, I had a coffee shop there. Uh, a lot of you honestly probably know me from that coffee shop um, originally. Uh, Shawnee's really important to me. I go there a lot. Uh, my folks live in Tecumseh. I don't go see them, but my folks live very nearby. Um, like I said, I used to run a business there. and I mean, it's where I met Joe Beth. Uh, was in Shawnee. so they've passed this ordinance. I do want to clarify: this was not a vote of the people. This was policy and ordinance uh, developed by city staff, and then given to the city commission. It was the same thing as city council, the city commission, um, for them to pass. And they and they passed it. Um, There wasn't a lot of pushback. I don't think people realized it was going on, but even if there was, uh, the people of Shawnee don't have a great history of pushing back on on these things. Uh, Sometimes they do. Don't get me wrong. There was a, a really ugly ordinance a couple of years ago proposed about banning shopping carts or something like that. It's really just cruel and gross. Well, the new ordinance is also pretty cruel and gross but a little less obvious than that and what the ordinance does is it prevents groups from feeding from from giving away food in the downtown area uh without permit and and they just basically they've codified ways to make people stop feeding uh people experiencing homelessness who are in downtown Shawnee. And I've I've spoken to a few people down there. had a really good kind of lengthy conversation with uh, a friend who's closer than a brother uh, there in Shawnee. We had a pretty candid conversation about it yesterday. And he relayed some information that he got from a conversation with one of the city commissioners that, uh, for one thing, this ordinance was really developed to target two groups that show up regularly to feed people downtown. Um, And one of them is a group from Meeker. I don't know these people at all. Uh, They may be monstrous. Uh, They wouldn't be the first people Doing homeless services that are terrible, if they are, I don't know. That, I don't know anything about them. I'm just like, what if they were the worst? It still doesn't matter that much to me. Um, a lot of the complaints that you'll get anywhere—it's not just downtown Shawnee. Uh, a lot of the complaints you'll get that are sort of attendant issues uh, surrounding. Uh, a presence of homelessness in a given area they're pretty common complaints, and that's one of them uh, obviously is litter. Uh, I, I, I think that's a reasonable thing to to not like. Don't get me wrong, I'm not like litter doesn't matter or anything like that. I, of course, I don't want litter, uh, of course not, but you know it's a solution I mean it's a thing let me just let me let you in on a secret. All of this is simpler than it sounds. All of these problems that that exist uh, in co-occurrence with homelessness, a lot of them are actually pretty simple to address. Uh, it's very Occam's razor. Here's the thing, if you don't like litter... Put out some trash cans. Think about it. When you've walked around downtown and almost any town around here, how many times do you pass by a trash can on the corner? Used to, didn't you? They're not there anymore. Why is that? Well, because it costs money to clear them, I guess, to collect the trash. I'm not sure, but most of it's... Most of it's to inconvenience poor people so they don't hang around, you know? Uh... If there's not a trash can and you're loitering downtown and you throw your trash down on the street, that's a good reason to run you off from in front of a business, right? That kind of thing. It's pretty simple to solve, though. You'll have less litter if you put out trash cans. If you got a problem with people eliminating waste in public, fair. That's a public health hazard. I, I don't think it's safe for uh, people in the community including the people doing it, let's bear in mind it's not safe or healthy for them. And it's so dehumanizing. So I'm sorry if it offends your sensibilities that somebody shit in the alley, but think about how offended their sensibilities were to have to be relegated to shitting in an alley. You understand what I mean? Like, it's hard for my sympathies to sway toward the people who are comfortable. Uh... And that's that's my nature, and it's my training. I, I just I, I have to side with the person who's most vulnerable. I have to. I it's not in me not to. Uh, so yeah, you want to solve that? You want people to not be like <sighs> using the bathroom in the in the alley or doorways or street or the park. Uh, unlock the bathrooms at the parks um, maybe build maybe build some new uh, bathrooms. I know that costs money, but it costs less money than jailing people. It costs less money than uh, arresting people for failure to appear warrants over some stupid thing like having to pee in the middle of the night, which by the way is uh, High candidate for turning into a sex offense. Like, your life can be really damaged by just not having access. You know, a lot of the lifestyle crimes in most of our towns are about things that would not be happening if the person had a home. If I, when I used to drink, I could do it at home and I could drink as much as I want. Well, they're at home. This home happens to be outside where you can see them. So they might get arrested for getting drunk and I won't because I'm at home, right? Um, if I get up in the middle of the night and have to use the restroom, it's about 10 feet away from where I'm sleeping. So, you know, and it's, it's got potable water, privacy and, uh, and, and sanitary conditions. That's because I live inside. Uh so if we want to address those things, the way to do it isn't to codify punishment. Now uh what I'm hearing is that this one group in particular, uh, they they feed on Sundays in front of the library. The library's closed, so they're not keeping anybody from accessing the library. Uh but it is it gets pretty crowded and apparently the lineup falls into the street. Um And uh, there's a park across the street. Because irony no longer exists in our world, uh, that park is called Celebration of Life Park. And the merchants of downtown Shawnee are angry that that park has uh, liveliness (laughs) there on a Sunday. Uh, It's... I It's just patently absurd, and the fact that the people complaining about it don't notice it is pretty frustrating. Um, and my thing is, like, yeah, so when they're done, there are styrofoam clamshells all over the place, and you know, paper towels, napkins, and stuff like that. Well, you know, what would be a great solution for that, and something that any one of the people complaining about this in Shawnee can do is to is to maybe get them a fifty gallon uh, trash can and uh, some industri a package of industrial strength like trash bags, right? And then there's a place for people to put their litter and and other refuse. even if it's just while they're out there feeding people, it's a place for that to go. It's a pretty easy solution that'll fix the litter. What will fix the crowding? I, I, well not having homelessness is the main thing that will fix the crowding down there when they're feeding. Not having just incredible poverty concentrated in a small area of a not very large town, like a small city. A lot of the complaints, I am so tempted to name a couple of names right now, and I'm not going to do, I don't think it'd be particularly productive at this point for me to name those names, but there are a couple of people in particular who I know are just... One is just the most complaintive person I've ever known in my life, just a deeply unpleasant person who owns one of the businesses downtown. One of those people who the only way they will accept an idea from someone else is if that someone else convinces them that it was their idea to begin with. Uh, and then the other is a old friend of mine who is just i don't know i don't know we we don't speak regularly i don't know what's gone on in his life in recent years but he has really gotten aggressively unpleasant toward poor people and he's not a moneyed person but toward poor people and toward local government like really antagonistic and that's his that's his business uh But like these folks are kind of the ringleaders of all these uh, complaints. I really love to have a reasonable conversation with them. One of them, that's not possible. And the other one, it's very unlikely. But the city passed this ordinance and it's been really frustrating because obviously it doesn't help anybody. I mean, it doesn't help anybody. And and they're going to say... And they're going to tell themselves—not just say to us, but tell themselves—that this is not against people who are homeless. Um, This is about these organizations. Actually, about it also includes safety precautions for the people experiencing homelessness. Like we don't want them getting food poisoning from from improper temperature or food held at improper temperatures. I agree with that. Uh, By the way, like I would love for there to be some structure around. If you're going to serve hot meals, you need to have chafing dishes. Otherwise, it needs to be san- it needs to be sanitary. I don't think just because somebody's poor, we ought to be able to make them sick. But this is not about that. This is, I mean, it's clearly not about that. And their city manager, who I don't know at all, and by all accounts that I hear, is doing a great job of writing the ship uh, as far as city like works and services go. Uh, Shawnee has a long history of failing to address issues until it's too late. And also just being incredibly irresponsible with the res- the meager resources that they have. They didn't spend all their CARES money. They They had to return CARES money to the government. And since then, they have had to spend a significant amount of money on a long-failed water sanitation system. I mean, just mismanagement doesn't begin to describe uh, what's happened there. Anyway. Ah, oh, boy. So, their city manager may be doing a great job of being a city manager, uh, but she was on the news. You might have seen this clip of her on the news uh She said, I don't, I don't have the clip in front of me. I didn't write down the exact words. I can't, I can't quote verbatim, but I can tell you it's not subtext. What I'm going to say as my pseudo, my quasi quote of, of this, uh, city manager, this is the text, but not perfectly. It's not subtext though. She said, uh, we, you know, Shawnee has a heart for the homeless, uh, and, and, but also, they have a heart for their downtown merchants. That's <laughs> what? Yeah, that's who's more important to them. And then speaking of somebody who was, in fact, a downtown merchant in Shawnee, Oklahoma, I, I got to say it. I mean, it's definitely it's gotten worse. Homelessness has increased. Uh, visible homelessness has increased. There's not a there's not really almost any shelter. In Shawnee, there are two places that provide shelter, and one is Salvation Army. That is, it's the bad kind of Salvation Army that exists in your head. Whereas the Salvation Army here, while they have some bad policies and politics, they do a good job of sheltering people um, compared to a lot of a lot of Sally's. So, the Salvation Army, and then there's Shawnee Rescue Mission, uh, who have modeled their organization on the very worst aspects of the city rescue mission but but you know god love them they're the only they're some of the only people doing work for people experiencing that level of poverty in Shawnee. and so i don't want to i i don't want to talk too much shit on them too much it's another conversation what i what should i do when i talk on that? <laughs> but uh i They're not the ones that are getting hassled about this. The thing is, downtown is not. While the police shop is downtown, they're not. The cops are not downtown in Shawnee most of the time. So, what the city wanted was to create to codify these rules in order to give uh, teeth to uh, to directions to stop certain behaviors. Uh, from the organizations, not from the people who are being served, supposedly, but the organizations serving them, and they say this is about two groups. Uh, one of whom, I don't know them at all. I think I said earlier, but like they uh, apparently, in conversations about this, uh, they like a representative literally told somebody from the city to fuck off. Uh, and that they were violating their religious freedom. Uh, I tend to agree with them on that second point. Honestly, I tend to agree with them on both points, but I don't know the context that they, in which they said to fuck off. I don't really care. I, it's very rare for you to tell a, a government to fuck off that I think it's out of line. Anyway, it, it is incredibly bad policy to create policy for a small, small uh, group of people or a small, small situation. They have created policy that affects a few square blocks of Shawnee, but it's where people are usually concentrated. It affects the parks in the area, which is one of the Comfortable places to actually be outside, uh, but oddly enough, they the ordinance stops at Seventh Street. and still a significant amount. I mean, just it's stupid. Like you could easily just go across the street and set up your table to hand out sandwiches. That it's stupid, uh, but uh, there's even. I, I think it targets also a church that uh, that is a community I've, I've been a part of, and I still connect with that community. I, you know, uh, they feed people off the porch of one of their annex buildings where they used to, and I think this actually kind of targets specifically that practice. But but if this is about Say it's about funding. Uh, you know, we don't have, we can't afford to pay somebody to go clean up all the litter from the park on Sunday after after everybody eats there, where the city can't afford to pay staff to to respond to that um, on Sunday or even on on the weekday because the the resources are are thin. And so they created a policy that's going to require the most highly paid city staff to show up. And that's the police. And not only are they gonna, <laughs> the police going to have to respond to this, that means they're going to be pulled away from other work that people want them to be doing. And this is something we hear from cops all the time. It's something that Chief Gorley here in Oklahoma City says... Repeatedly in all year, it's not just around budget time, but like he will talk about how that, like, these mental health calls and this thing and this thing, these this is not police work, it's not what they're trained to do, it's not what they're supposed to do. I agree with him, they should not have to do that work, and so we should have that money attributed to other organizations or other parts of the city that can do that work. And that's what defund the police means. Uh, I would love to ban the police. That's not what we're talking about, uh, unfortunately. We're talking about just moving part of one budget to something that's m- more practical use for that money. And we, we're not going to do that. We're definitely not going to do it in Oklahoma City. So forget about that happening in Shawnee, uh, Oklahoma. But, but like... <sighs> This is a classic solution in search of a problem, and since they created a policy and codified it, it's not going to stop there. I don't want to create a. I don't. I don't want to cling to a logical fallacy here and do some slippery slope stuff. But I, historically, when have you ever seen a legal policy created by an authoritarian? Uh, figure that hasn't been exploited to include anything that they want to. Any kind of public loitering. Uh you know, if I give somebody a sandwich downtown because I'm maybe I'm having subway and I'm sitting at a park and I give half my sandwich, that could be punished. Like this can be this, this ordinance can be twisted to to use as a cudgel about a lot of behaviors, and if it can, it will be. Again, I think that's just a statement of fact. That's not about my opinion. Uh, Power given more power will use more power. You never build a jail bigger and it doesn't get filled. It's a good example of that. We pass this bond, we're gonna build a bigger jail, and you know what that means? We're gonna have more people in jail when we build that. It's how we are. It's how we are as humans. We just I don't know, we're gluttons for we're gluttons for everything evil. I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't understand it. I don't like maybe I understand it, but I don't want to spend the time thinking about it right now because honestly, I've been talking too long and kind of intensely. So I am upset about this. I think you should be upset about it. We don't live in Shawnee, but it is our community. That's home for me. A lot of my friends, and 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 what are my friends there doing about it? You might ask. It's a good question, and I intend to to find out. I love my friends that are there. Love them, but you have to do what's right. I, you know, that's not negotiable for me. I like you have to look out for the most vulnerable people in your in your community. I, you just, there's no not doing that, morally. Um, and here's the thing: like I say this a lot. You've heard me say it a lot. Uh, I'm not mad to in, invent this idea that, like, if you adjust your community. And public policy wise, not just how you think about it personally, but like if we build public policy that makes our community accessible and functional for the most vulnerable person in the community, we all benefit from that. It's better for everybody. Like if the poorest person in Oklahoma City can access public transportation... Imagine how accessible public transportation is going to become for me and for you, right? Well, it's the same thing. Uh, it's the same thing there. If, if the people of Shawnee who are overwhelmingly uh, religious, evangelical Christians, and not, not for nothing, I'm not saying that to pick on Christians, I don't have to. They did the work for me on this. Like, I don't have to criticize Christianity. I'm criticizing the giant group of Christians that are most of the city of Shawnee. That if they're not going to make that community better and safer and healthier for the most vulnerable among them, you know, the poor, the sick, the widow, the imprisoned. Seems familiar, right? That's in some text somewhere. That's like a list. If they're not going to make the community serve those folks, then uh, they are they have forsaken their own moral code, they have forsaken the god they claim to worship. They've turned their face from goodness and and that is heartbreaking and they need to they need to be called called in. They need to be called in. And it's not really my job to do that, right? It's not my lane. I don't live there. But, you know, I'm going to be down there in December, uh, and I plan to go and have a lot of difficult conversations with people I love that are friends with me, but also some people who I don't love and who probably don't love me. Um, there's some people in... in the corridors of power such as they are in Shawnee, Oklahoma, who are just doing this wrong. And I want to I want to find out if that's something that they recognize while they're doing it. Maybe I will, maybe I won't find that out, but I think it's worth it's worth asking. It's worth talking about. And if it makes people uncomfortable, good. Good, be uncomfortable if you're listening to this out there, I want you to be uncomfortable about this we We shouldn't be able to sit back and relax while people are suffering this greatly when they don't have to, and so we all need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We need to have these conversations that are hard and that that make us brace because we are. Being confronted with our own uh, shortcomings, uh, and I got to tell you, I love people. I like. I know I sound pretty strident often, but I, I, this comes exclusively from my belief that we could be better, we could be healthier, and 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 whole. I believe that. I really believe that. Hope is a discipline. I'm not very disciplined about it. But in the face of things that are this painful to watch, I, just, I really need to cling to that belief that we can do better. And so when you see me getting mad about stuff like an arena or a budget item, I, that's because this is a moral imperative. And I'm not ready personally to accept trickle-down health. Trickle down housing, trickle down transit, trickle down uh, safety. Now, I'm just uh, even if heck, Okay, you know what? I've I've made the points that I that I feel like I just need to make. I've said what I need to say. I think. <sighs> Boy, it didn't go very funny, did it? Well, it's not all fun and games. <laughs> It's not all fun and games here at OKC-SPAN. Listen, folks, I appreciate you listening. Uh, Godspeed. I don't know. Go love somebody today. Spend some time this weekend reflecting on what's brought you here. That's what I'm going to do. Also, I'm going to welcome Joe Beth back home because she's been gone a week and I'm tired of that. So I wish you well. I hope you had a great Halloween and a meaningful All Saints Day if that's something you're into and uh, I hope that you're enjoying discount candy this very as we speak and I will talk to you soon. You'll hear from me again in the next week. Oh, wait. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad I remembered. Two things I needed to plug. One is that November 18th at 1 p.m. period OKC is having a packing event. I don't know the address off the top of my head because I've forgotten. It's pretty close to, say, like uh, Skydance Brewery um, in that general area. Oklahoma Fit, Walnut Fit, somewhere around there. But just look at their website look at their Twitter, tweet at Lindley, uh, whatever, you you can find it. That's on the 18th, so you'll hear from me again before that, and we'll make sure we get that uh, detail. And this is fun, just a fun thing, Monday, November 6th, that's this coming Monday, uh, every Monday night at Bunker on uh, on 23rd Street, Uptown 23rd, um, just off of Walker, you know the place, Bunker. Uh, every Monday, friend of the podcast, occasional co-ghost, uh, and just incredibly deep, dank film lover, Lucas Dunn, and co-host Joan, who's, that's the only name I know them by, so I'm not, not, not that I'm not friends, but I don't really know them, but they co-host... Uh, a screening of a movie every Monday night at Bunker. The event is called Mondo Monday. It's usually obscure film, cult film, horror, uh, weird, interesting stuff. Sometimes it's mainstream stuff that's just worth checking out and thinking about. Well, Monday night, I have been invited, I'm humbled to be invited to talk about one of my favorite movies, starring one of my great obsessions in life, Nicolas Cage. Uh, This movie is called Mandy. If you've seen it before, you know how intense and wild it is, and you'll want to come see it again and hang out with us and talk about it. And if you haven't seen it, uh, it is a high-tension psychedelic masterpiece uh not to sell it too too hard <laughs> but uh yeah it's a story about a lumberjack and his wife and their quiet life that gets disrupted by a just a a, a wild cult and that's as much as I'll tell you about it cuz you just have to see it so that's monday night November 6th at Bunker, there's no cover for it, but here's what we want. We, uh, when, they have a, when they have a guest host, they, they love to make that an opportunity to do a donation drive. So we are asking for people who come to Mondo Monday at Bunker on November 6th to bring hot hands or other brand of hand warmers, you know, the ones I'm talking about where you shake them up or squeeze them or whatever, and you put them in your gloves and they keep your hands warm. We are going to get as many of those as we can, and we'll take them over to the day center at Homeless Alliance because right now Homeless Alliance has the day shelter open 24-7 um, until they get the winter shelter open. They're just waiting on, I believe they're actually waiting on, uh, doors that meet code. Um, And so they're hoping to get open this coming week. And when they do, still, uh, it's just, you can't know how nice of a benefit it is to have these hot hands. If, you know, people love Curbside Chronicle, you want to support the vendors, that's good. Buy their magazine and give them a pack of hot hands. That's a great thing to have. And when they're going out to work, I know when I was in the office, they'd come by and I'd just grab handfuls and give them out. We'd put them up with the magazines so that at the front desk when they'd come get magazines, they could grab some. Um, So bring hot hands, hand warmers. You can get them by the gross pretty cheap at some places. So dig deep, bring some. That's just an easy way to help out and, uh, and feel a little bit good about participating in the betterment or the safety of our community. Okay, that's the whole thing. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter if you need to. Email me if you have to. That's my first name dot my last name at gmail. So email me if you just got something you need to talk to me about. And that's it for this week. Okay, love ya. Bye.